This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to Thursday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. Now, it is the lineup that a view from the Terrace will not let you see. It is me, Joel Sked. It is him, Craig Fowler. And it is Hello. he, Robert Bothwick. Hello, it's the, it is the, the three bad jambos. That's it. That's us. You'll never see us on TV. Because, nope. yeah, you can't have that. You can't have that on telly. You can't have three Hearts fans together. Because you've never had, you know, three Rangers fans together or three Celtic fans together. But three Hearts fans, that would be too much. It's like uh, a Sky or BBC game where it's, I don't know, Rangers against Dundee United and the two people have just got a connection. One, maybe one's maybe got a, weak, a slight connection to Dundee United, but they were mainly uh, a connection to Rangers. Ah, it's like, it's yeah, like, like Billy Dodd or something. Uh, they, they, they really like Mark Wilson for um, Dundee, uh, Dundee United Celtic games. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you may as well be swinging a Celtic scarf during the game. <laughs> But yes, we are here to talk about the weekend's action. We uh, are just recording uh, after Hibs um, scraped their way through against um, plucky League One side Cove Rangers to get into the next round of the Scottish Cup. Kevin Nisbet remarkably scored a goal and then put his fingers in his ears to shut the 37 Hibs fans up that uh, <laughs> the, 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 the baller to turn up Easter Road. But I, 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 I that'll really sh- That'll really show them, Joe. That'll really show yes. that, 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 that raises all criticism. The fact that he's been complete garbage for most of the season. Yeah, that's that's proved it all. That's that's proved them all wrong. The fact that he scored in the in the hundred and fifteenth minute against a part time side. Rob's disappeared, I, by the way. Yes, I've just I noticed that he went he was frozen and he just disappeared. So um He'll be back soon, probably. Yes, he he just said he got caught off. Uh, it reminded me a bit of always always those celebrations remind me of uh, Danny Granger. Scored a deflected goal once. I think maybe home to Livingston, and he's um, 
ran to the Wheatfield stand and just shushed the Hearts fans. <laughs> First of all, you're Danny Granger, and second of all, was a deflected goal. Jimmy, Jimmy Hamill was good for that as well, quite a lot. One of few things he was good for at uh, during his time at Tynecastle, but yes, uh, well let's let's move away from uh, all things Hearts. We'll get on to Barry Mackay and the, the and the wonder of his man bun later on, or is it is it a man bun? Is it curtains? Anyway, uh, we will Last start night it was just with. A pon- uh, sorry, sorry. On, uh, on Tuesday it was just a ponytail. There's a ponytail. Okay, um, we will start with. Well, what we starting again with? Oh yeah, Ross County three, Motherwell one. I, I watched this game. Um, it was the first time I probably watched Ross County. Uh, so I've watched Ross County a few times this season and been impressed with them. And sometimes they've only came away with a draw or they've, they, they've not won. They've played well in, in defeat. This is the first time I've really seen them uh, not play all that great, yet come away with a 3-1 win while playing with a good chunk of the second half with 10 men. Is that because they've just got the man who's so clearly the most improved player in Scottish football this season in Regan Charles Cook, who apparently can just win games by himself now? Yes, and because Motherwell had nothing in the front uh, in, in the final third. So it was, it, was, it was a combination of both. But yeah, Regan Charles Cook is... Uh, is I think it's helped, obviously, Malky Mackay coming in and playing him as uh, in his best position because he played quite a lot as a wing-back last season, didn't he? Well, yeah, I think when he was, to be fair, when he was signed, I'd, he was one of the players I scouted. Remember when, uh, the, prior to last season, me, you and Graham um, done, done like a kind of scouting podcast where we looked at about, I don't know, like I think we looked at about four or five signings each uh, on the eve of the season. Regan Charles Cook was one of the guys that I looked at. And for a lot of the clips I saw him, he kind of played as an attacking midfielder through the centre. Mm. And then, I'm trying to remember where County first played him. Did they not use him in the wing when he first arrived? But he couldn't he? You couldn't run with the ball without falling over. <laughs> like, it I don't think it was necessarily that Ross County were using him in the wrong way because they eventually started to use him at wing back where his his pace um, really and this suppose ability after he got over those initial inability to run with the ball without falling over problems he was quite good at kind of carrying the ball forward. So at wing back he had a kind of role to play, especially since he worked so hard for the team. But he still didn't look you know any good as, as a footballer. And then this season, he's, he's trust in a in a role where his demands on his football ability have gone up a notch, and that's with that that extra responsibility that he's been given apparently has now made him a much better footballer. Who who knew that was a thing? That's what we should do, with everybody. Andy Halliday should go up front for Hearts. There you go. <laughs> my, my pal was. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm actually not. I'm not going to move on to Hearts. I'm not going to move on to Hearts. So uh, yeah, you see, with uh, it, it was interesting with the first goal. So Jordan Roberts gave gave the ball away, and because Stephen O'Donnell had made uh, made a run up the right hand side, and Roberts had failed to find him the pass. But it was interesting because Reagan Charles Cook didn't track him. He didn't even. He wasn't even in the picture to track him. I think uh, perhaps Jordan White or Blair Spittle went across to try and, uh, or sorry, Jordan White or Dross Callan went across to uh, track O'Donnell, and that when the ball got shifted into the final third, it was just it was Charles Cook. He, it was almost like um, I don't know if he was just he just couldn't be bothered getting back to track, or he was told to stay high and just not bother with O'Donnell's forward runs, and basically he got the ball and he was able to make Bevis Mugabe look like the Bevis Mugabe that I think many people expected from the start of the season not the Bevis Mugabe who has turned into um, a real confident and able centre-back who bizarrely has been linked to a Celtic earlier in the window that was never going to happen 
Some things just make no sense, Joe, and we just need to deal with that. I think um, I would like to think that it was a conscious effort from County to leave Charles Cook up the pitch, because you know if there's one thing about Ross Callahan, you know he's full of running. He'll, yeah. he'll run for ninety minutes. He'll run like a dafty, and he's always been happy to get stuck in and, and do the defensive side of the game. So you know it, it's not a terrible option because you know that you know like Phil was saying, this season's version of Charles Cook can run with the ball and he can put the he can put the shitters up defenders, basically. And I think that, you know, when, when you get them in that position, it's the same with Hungbo on the other side. When you get them in those positions, they are going to cause issues. And I think both of them have been kind of pretty key to, to why Ross County, in, in recent weeks after a very, very poor start to the season, Ross County have been able to pick up because they, they're playing to their strengths and they're playing their best players in the best way that they can. Uh, you know, it's still, it is still a limited team. It's a, it's a defence that seems to chop and change most weeks. But... When, what they've got up front is is capable players and guys who can who can be match winners and that's you know true of Hungbo, Charles Cook, not so much Jordan White, but he's, he's certainly a focal point that they can aim for and, and these guys can can run off of. Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting the point they make about the the defence because that's one thing that stood out for me when I looked at the, before watching the game, looked at the team lines and the the back four was uh, Vulcan's. Randall, the Drysdale, the new sign him, and he played alongside uh, Yakaviti, and it was obviously the first time they've, they've played together uh, as a four. But Yakaviti they didn't really have, didn't have much trouble. Like the Motherwell didn't create many chances. They had a lot of the ball. They dominated possession. Um, they, they they won the midfield battle um, quite easily. Uh, Barry Maguire was, was very good, but. The defence was very... The county defence was very well organised. Uh, it, was, it was a hard-working performance. Yakaviti was absolutely uh, tremendous. And I think county were probably not helped in the first half because they had to make two subs. So uh, Hungbo got injured very early on. And then which and Dominic Samuel came on, who overall played pretty well. And Jordan Tilson had to replace uh, Cancola. So it was a bit of a disruptive um, start to county and probably... <laughs> Didn't help with the kind of their fluidity, their rhythm, but um, yeah, it was just it, it was weird because I, I really I wanted to watch this and and kind of try and appreciate why uh, Ross County are doing so uh, doing so well. But you actually probably saw a different side to them and the being able to dig it out. I think a lot of people then seen a lot of St. Johnson fans after the the Hearts game talk about how they would never have been able to do anything like what Ross County did with ten men. Our friends over at Manscaped would like to wish you a happy new year. The ball has officially dropped, but that does not mean that you have to drop the ball on your... I think you see where I'm going with this. It's time to bring sexy back in 2022 and step up your game with Manscaped's performance package 4.0. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped to help ring the new year with the right tools for the job. Go to manscaped.com and use the code TERRACE for 20% off and free shipping. So let me tell you about the Performance Package 4.0. Inside you'll find the Signature Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. The advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate... It also comes equipped with a 4000K LED spotlight that will shine a light on the promised land 2022 looks to be. It's also time to freshen up down there in the new year. The Crop Reserver is an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturiser. And you've also got the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. The package also includes the Shed Travel Bag 
and anti-chasing boxer briefs, which I have to say I wear quite often and they do the trick, especially for a man like myself who likes to do a bit of exercise, get out and do a bit of walking. You don't want those cotton briefs rubbing against you after you get a bit warm and sweaty. You want these anti-chafing boxer briefs. They are the business. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code Terrace at manscaped.com. That's 20% off of free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Terrace. Have no regrets this year with our friends at Manscaped. Motherwell, Motherwell exists uh, to improve people's lives every day. The lives of their supporters, but uh, apparently they don't want them going on European tours next season because uh, they'd, they'd rather just sell Tony Watt for a couple hundred thousand and, and give up on all hope of that. Which I've been saying quite a lot about, you know, Hearts and John Suter. And it kind of depends how the rest of January is going to go because if Hearts can hold on to like a, a 10 point advantage or whatever in, in third place when the window shuts, then yeah, maybe Hearts should just sell Suter to, to Rangers because you'd still think there'd be enough left in that team for them to keep him. But the reason why I'm talking about this is that I've said loads. You know, don't sell Suter to Rangers despite the fact he signed a pre contract because there's such a carrot dangling at the end of the season for the team that finished third. And Motherwell are only five points behind Hearts. And we've seen in... And yeah, it may sound fanciful because Hearts are the bigger team and Hearts have the five-point advantage. So you just kind of naturally assume that they're going to see it out. But I mean, how many times have we seen in Scottish football over our lifetime where a team not not Hearts, not Hibs, not Aberdeen finished third? Happens to Motherwell this season and that's worth about £3 million in prize money alone. Mm-hmm. You know, not to mention the, the fact that the kind of... the prestige, assuming some Assuming Celtic and Rangers win the cup. And that's not to mention the you know prestige for playing in Europe, the gate receipts, you know the the fact that you can keep on players uh, for for longer contracts and you know maybe sell them on. Um, so to allow, to, unless Tony Watt was like, nah, I just want to go now, which doesn't really seem like something he would necessarily do. Then I find that a bit weird that they actually acquiesced and and allowed United to sign Watt this window because it, as it sounds like, they're like for what you've said about this game, they're already struggling with him as it is. Yeah, and I, and I think that you you will struggle without you know the top goal scorer in in the in the Premiership, you know, and and I think that you know Motherwell are um, as are actually thankfully a lot of teams in Scotland now very well run, you know, they, they don't absolutely need a transfer fee of say a, a couple of hundred thousand pounds to to keep them going until the end of the season or to to balance the books or anything like that. My my only assumption is that you know they're getting that money to spend on a replacement, be that in just wages, obviously, um, or a, a small transfer fee to bring someone else in. But it, it was weird just the, the, the speed, the pace at which it happened, uh, Tony Watt leaving, and then obviously the speed at which you saw how much that affected them. It was literally the first game after he's left. A couple of days later, they're left absolutely wanting uh, in the, the four positions. You know, Kevin Van Veen, um, as as much as as much as I really want to love him, he's he's one of those Motherwell players that I want to love because he's a bastard and, and all this kind of stuff. He does need someone alongside him. He, he he needs he needs a presence alongside him that's maybe not Jordan Roberts or Kane Willery. He, he needs another another centre forward up there. And and with losing Tony Watt, that's that's absolutely just ripped that away from him. It seemed that I'm sure Alexander came out during the week and said uh, it was it was quite. He, he almost played down the fact that they would sign someone else. He talked to they've, they've got Connor Shields and they've got other options. So, but it, it, it is a very good point about letting Tony Wilt go and the position they're in because you look at what they who they brought on uh, on on Wednesday night and it was uh, Justin. Uh, sorry, Tuesday night. Uh, Justin Amal Amalmuzur. 
Um, and <laughs> that's butchered, butchered, butchered that surname. Jesus <laughs> Christ, Joe. Just, just call him I'm a loser. That, that's Jesus. I was, I, was, I, was, I was trying to be. I was. I was, I was trying to be. Uh, I, was, I was thinking about it too much. Uh, and <laughs> Is that right? I did on about thirteen syllables. I was going to say. <laughs> you said you were a fucking pink panther. <laughs> that was incredible. I was the zoo. And it was. It's mind watching. This, uh, I, was, I was flicking through uh, uh, stuff I've liked uh, on Twitter, like just videos while uh, listening to them while watching the game today. And there was a Sky Sports kind of summary of the season so far in the kind of top six and the focus on Motherwell was Kevin Van Veen and then they got to the end oh by the way Tony Watts are top goal scorer and they, they painted up as if he was a key player but it's, it was it's, it's kind of quite clear through it all that that Tony Watt is 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 the kind of difference maker in Motherwell and it just it was it was so obvious yeah so obvious so obvious that, um, in Dingwall but one of my criticisms of Motherwell is that they've not really had anything midfield but then they actually dominated midfield. They, uh, as I said, Barry Maguire was, was was very good, and it was the actual. It was just the final third that let them down. Jordan Roberts, what a goal! Um, I'm going to give him a wee bit of credit in that he probably did mean that first touch, which sat up. Um, but yeah, it's, the, the, he meant the it because he wasn't wearing a heart stop else. at the time. That's that's how he meant it. He wasn't wearing a heart stop, so he suddenly powers as a footballer are back. I don't know what it is, but they just, they just can't perform. <laughs> Best of luck to him. Um, that's a fair point on Van Vieren. Yeah, he's um, a little too mercurial to really be a talisman over the course of a season. Good good player to have in the squad, definitely. Um, somebody that, obviously, the Molo fans kind of really have taken to, uh, kind of cult hero figure. But, uh, yeah, if Tony Watt's not scoring, Tony Watt is usually still playing well. And uh, Van, Vien, Van Vien can do that as well, but it's just the fact that he doesn't, he doesn't have the consistency that Watt has shown throughout his time in Motherwell. Anything more to add on on Ross County or Motherwell before before we move on? No. Cool. So we are moving on to I think Pitodri. Aberdeen won, Rangers won. It was. Would you would you agree? Was probably the most uncomfortable I've seen Rangers under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Yeah, it's got to be. Um, try to think back. A couple of these earlier games, they didn't look necessarily all that impressive, but they still were, from what I can remember, still fairly comfortable in, the, in their victories. Um, then they kind of got to the point where it wasn't just the, the results were coming, it was also the fact that they were looking... And when I say early games, I mean because I think he looked good in Europe initially, but a couple of the first... Uh, league games that he was in charge of were weren't exactly vintage Rangers, but then they started to motor along a bit. It seemed like he kind of lit a fire under them. They were really playing a lot better and also getting the result at the end of the day as well. And didn't really see this one coming in terms of not just in the fact that them drawing Aberdeen away because that could, you know, the rivalry between the clubs you can expect that kind of thing to happen in in any given game. But just the fact of the way the game went, would it just kind of looked like Aberdeen were kind of on, like, really dangerous and maybe could consider themselves very unlucky not to actually win the game. Yeah, I thought, looking at it, I was uh, watching it back, I thought maybe they struggled to, kind of similar to Motherwell against Ross County, that they, uh, they, they saw a lot of the ball, but really failed to turn that 
control and possession into meaningful chances uh, on a regular basis. They say the same, but Rangers didn't create all that much as well. Uh, but I was really impressed with Aberdeen without the ball. I thought they were really disruptive to Rangers. They they really got about them. And Van Pronkers mentioned it after the match how there was a lot of tackles. It was a hard game to play in, and it was the. It was the performance, for example, without the ball, it's this performance I would like my team to, uh, I'd like to see from my team against one of the old firm. Yeah, and that's, I think that, um, that was an Aberdeen fan, I'd always be getting annoyed at how much of a, a, a sort of catalyst Scott Brown can be when he's really, really, like properly up for a game, like he was in this game. He was getting, he was getting in Rangers' face, he was winding them up, he was doing everything that you want Scott Brown to do on a weekly basis. But, you know, he, he just brought that extra level and you could see the guys alongside him were, were being dragged up to that level as well. You know, Johnny Hayes being being one such example, Ojo, Ferguson, all these guys raised, they raised their bar a wee bit because he, he properly, he, he led by example, not not from playing terribly good football, but just by, you know, the, the actions that he was doing was getting the crowd on side. It was getting them annoyed. It was, it was affecting the way that they were playing. And yeah, I, th- I think Aberdeen just generally this season have the makings of a good team that occasionally mm-hmm. sort of pokes its head out of its shell. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes we see that regress a little bit again, you know, the, the, the week after. But, you know, we didn't see the absolute best of Aberdeen in this game, but we saw a very good version of Aberdeen and a, a version of Aberdeen that I'm sure the fans will be saying, right, can we please now, you know, properly go on, kick on until the end of the season, not just for a few weeks, can we go and make this count and, and, and you know, Try and make a charge for the, the the top three or four places. It was like uh, Aberdeen had Nelson Muntz playing in the centre of the pitch. He was just running around laughing in the face of every single range play, Rangers player he could. And that's class. That's absolutely class. Like that. That is that is a hundred percent what you want to see from Scott Brown. Even if he's like his, his legs are gone, his back's shot to shit. You don't care if he's laughing in someone's face and flying into a tackle. That's what you want to see. There is a, there's a, there's a, I think maybe a two, three minute clip going around Twitter from some um, conspiracy theorist Rangers fan with the X Files um, theme tune in the background. Uh, it's something called uh, so Kevin Clancy and Scott Brown corruption and something and something or other. I would recommend to watch. It basically it's just a, it's, it's a you could you could uh, look at either way. It's a, compla- a compilation video of Scott Brown's best moments from the uh, the Rangers game, and when he, when you know Scott Brown's up for it and he's he, he's loving himself is the fact that he was getting like a lot of scoring possessions. It was, he just looked like he was desperate to score. Uh, I could see why. So the BBC I was looking at the because I wanted to see the, the possession stats again. Rangers, uh, sorry, Aberdeen dominated the ball. And the player rating, so you can predict on BBC, and Scott Brown was something ridiculous, like 8.96. I'm just thinking, that's just loads of Celtic fans just going on there and just uh, just been rating them uh, highly. Because I thought Lewis Ferguson was uh, by far man of the match. I was so, so impressed with him. And, uh, saw a kind of different side to his game. Um, and Scott Brown started the game as a bit more of the deeper midfielder, dropping in between the centre-backs. But then Ferguson kind of took on that responsibility. Brown pushed up a bit, uh, the pitch, and what really impressed me, uh, Ferguson, is it was he was really, um, he was really incisive with his passing. It wasn't just sideways; he was looking to go forward, and a lot of the a lot of times he was getting the ball in behind the Rangers midfield, and Ryan Hedges coming off the wing and, and, and getting the ball. And I think that's that got a lot of joy from that, and you can see with. Ferguson, I think he's um, he's coming on to he's came on to a game before the winter break and kind of carried on. 
I think with, with, with Lewis Ferguson, like he's he's kind of played it at such a high level for such a long time, he almost goes unnoticed in games a lot of the time now because it's just like, oh, that's Lewis Ferguson. That's how he that's how he performs. But as I've always found that when he does move into a deeper position, and he's done it quite often in his Aberdeen career, where he's played obviously six, eight, ten. You know, he's played all these three positions, he's played them all very well. But when he drops into a deeper position, it, it almost like Almost like he strives off the the added wee bit of responsibility. It's like he's been he's been relied upon to to start attacks. He's been relied upon to break up play. Two things that he can do well. And I think that you know when he gets into a, a run of consecutive uh, good games, he'll get linked to Rangers, and then that won't happen. And then and then you know he'll he'll keep rumbling on, and, and that's that's how he goes. <laughs> He's a player that I absolutely love, and I have done you know since he came through at Hamilton. I think he's just he's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, Lewis Ferguson could have made it in the team of the week, but including Scott Brown was funnier. <laughs> Did you give him Sarman? I actually put it forward. <laughs> it's an option. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Hatati was uh, then selected as a better choice to, to, to pop the Japanese marks who are uh, flooding uh, SPFL, the SPFL market. Yeah, market right now to... to Really, it's a really patriotic country, aren't they? Anytime, anytime one of the lads does well abroad, I mean, we're kind of the same, I suppose. We go nuts for any time Aaron Hickey does anything decent, and um, Ryan Gold has obviously been bigged up as being the you know the better than Maradona over the last couple of years. So I suppose there's that aspect of it, but the uh, Japanese in particular do really love. Do, it do you think there's, the there's a, a Japanese abroad? Do you think there's a Japanese abroad Twitter account which is uh... <laughs> Japanese Japanese abroad pod? <laughs> Which is just like just uh, waxing lyrical over a fifteen-minute cameo from Yuzuki Ediguchi and uh, going going mad at the Japanese uh, coach for not uh, not selecting him. I hope so. I really hope so. Uh, can Be- you send me that link as well about uh, the the Scott Brown clip? clip? I've not seen it yet. And, uh, oh, I oh, like you, have a good... oh, you're missing out. I watched it about four times today. Uh, it's, it's... I've, uh, I've still got access to Terrace Twitter account, so I can see it. And uh, yeah, I'd like to have a good laugh at uh, Minhangler. Yeah, it's it's quite it's quite incredible in the reaction re- reaction from uh, from Rangers. Like anytime anytime Rangers or Celtic anytime Rangers or Celtic fans complain about referees and referees been against some massive red flags and but the issue is you're just dropping red flags right, left and centre. Um before we move on to the the next game, I think we should talk about the certainly the opening goal. Um have you ever seen there was an advert going around where it was basically uh, just it was someone uh, like being a superhero and then it was basically it was an advert against drinking uh, or drinking too much it was a, it was a guy who's like you thought he was a superhero and he gets up like scaffolding yeah and then he he, he falls off and that's what struck me with uh, McGregor in the uh, in uh, when he came flying out the goal it was like right I'm superman and then oh no I'm drunk <laughs> and I've just taken out Ryan Hedges somehow he got away with it and Rangers got up the pitch and score I my my favourite thing about this is the discourse and Rangers fans saying, "No, he doesn't touch him." So, have you just not watched the replay? Like he volleys him in the knee. It's absolutely remarkable. And then you know, it's something that Alan McGregor has been doing that for his whole career. Um, you know, this this isn't a sign of him ageing. He he does like to rush out and kick people really, mm. really hard sometimes. Um, and to be fair, as as you know, the ratio of getting caught and not getting caught is, is still very much in his favour. Um, and yeah, I, I can absolutely see why Aberdeen fans would be furious about it because it's it's an awful decision. And, and obviously, you know, McGregor, <laughs> McGregor, when the goal goes in, uh, sort of giving it tight to the Aberdeen fans as well. So, aye, it's you know, it's it's the, it's a wee bit of that fixture that you want to see. 
someone getting kicked up in the air and then you know the players giving it to the fans a wee bit. Um, but it's not. Uh, it was a it was a terrible decision. I'm starting to believe that Glasgow Derby fans live in a parallel universe. I think they do. I mean, listen, man, I've lived in Glasgow for uh, coming on twelve years now. They do. And unfortunately, I'm inside that bubble. I'm my own bubble. But I can't escape that bubble. I'm a bubble within a bubble, just bouncing about. I I thought the but David Bates was showing up for the first goal as well. It was it was he was caught, caught no man's land with Morelos, and then the the organisation at the like McCrory thought Ferguson was picking Hadji up, and the no one ended up end up picking Hadji up. But this uh, the equalising goal. I uh, just want to bring up one other clip was off the Aberdeen fans racing to the, he- the fence and uh, bamming up Rangers fans. That was uh, uh, a-, a-, a lovely bit of footage. Well, with stuff like that, Joe, you just don't know. You don't know what you miss until it's gone. You know, uh, with <laughs> with fans being away for so long and then and then seeing a bunch of raging loons uh, running at a-, a fence at some angry Rangers fans is just it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's part part of football. Moving on to something even more beautiful, Mr. Barry Mackay. Oh, right. See, Barry, see McCoy, if, Barry Mackay to St. Johnston now. See, see if we're doing like, uh, this has roughly been like 10 minutes per game so far. Just mention Barry Mackay and no one else. That's all I want. Just talk about him for 10 minutes. My God. What a player. What a performance. It was just a. There was one. It was the the tweet I put out yesterday just to uh, Mackay's uh, stats, and it was his. Uh, I get I clipped his his pass. I uh, so basically got it on one side of the pitch, and then kind of laterally ran across the pitch, skipped past a couple of players, and then just played this ball through to Alex Cochrane. Men just being at the game and just letting out a yelp. I was. I, I was fortunate to be taken in the game with uh, Mr. Joseph Savage, uh, Hearts Sporting Director, and he literally just turned round and and made this like oh noise. And I was like, yeah, I. I it was like he's, he's fucking class. Like, mine's is more Gary Neville. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Neville, New Camp, two thousand and twelve. Um, no, I, but it was just his entire his entire game. Like the the first half for Hearts was pretty poor. I mean, it was a poor game generally. For the first mm. five minutes, um, and really, there was only there was only kind of one guy that looked like he was going to make something happen. Janelli was being stuffed up because St Johnston were playing a, a deeper line. Um, Gary Mackay Stephen had a very Gary Mackay Stephen performance, but Barry Mackay, you know, he was dropping deep. He was taking the ball off of Devlin and, and Haring, um, and and just trying to trying to make something happen. Uh, you know, the first chance of the game is all because of Barry Mackay flighting a ball into the back post for for Alex Cochran who. Should have gone for a goal, but uh, but but squared it to Smith, who who put it over, and it was just the the entire game. But the second half, man, Barry McKay, like seventeen seconds into the second half, that, false, the, false nine. The weighting of that pass into Janelli is just ridiculous. First time, and it's on the bounce as well. Like the ball's bouncing, it's just it, it's ridiculous. I love I love the idea of you could just play Barry McKay as a centre forward now. And if Hearts struggle to get, I do think Hearts will get one player in, but I think they really would like two strikers in by the end of the window. Whether that happens or not, we wait to see. But I do think that of of the other attackers available, Ginelli, Gary McKay, Stephen Woodburn, maybe McKay is the best option as the the central striker. I just love the image of him. Like if he plays as a central forward for an entire season, he just finishes with zero goals, thirty assists. I was going to say you know, uh, you're, you're picking the. the- 
the one guy who can't score for shit as a centre. Yes, sport. but lovely. Just drops deep and plays balls in behind. Perfect. And that was... I mean, on the one hand, I think if you are... If you're part of the manager's union, uh, you would probably say, Callum Davis has got to be tearing his hair out because, the, you know, they've defended really well in the first half. They've done exactly what you should do against a Hearts team that are playing without a forward. Because, as I've said quite often on this show, that it's the difficulty... It's not just about the fact that you lose the goal threat from, from the centre forward you'd kind of naturally have from their career of playing in that position and looking for the space and, and having that kind of instinct. You also lose the fact that when teams sit back on you and defend deep, then you lose the ability to just give it to them in tight areas and then they attract players to them and then they make space that way. And Hearts really struggled with that in the first half against St Johnson. There was nobody really to give that ball to in those tight areas and do it. And then seconds into the second half, St. Johnson shift their lineup about five, ten yards further than they did at any point in the first half. And that was where Hearts get the goal from. It creates enough space that Janelli can get in behind. Mackay finds the pass and it's 1-0. And then the kind of the second goal is similar as well, but by that point obviously St. Johnson have to commit men forward. And this is something that Hearts have managed to get away from. And it's it's kind of weird that St. Johnson went with the game plan, but they just and the reason I say like the manager's union, sorry, to, to finish off that point, was that, yes, if you're Davidson, you might be tearing your hair out, but th- that's your job as a manager, to make sure your team are ready for the second half and, and focused and aren't going to concede a goal within 30 seconds. So you surely, that's a whole manager's job. So you, he has to take his share of the blame for that as well. But um, what was going to, the other point I was going to make was that Hearts have managed to get away with this in a number of games, especially at Tynecastle, where they've played without boys and really without a striker in general. And so against Dundee United, against Ross County, and now against St. Johnson. And every time, these teams are just allowing these balls in behind. Like like in the other games as well, it was like balls in behind. Like so much space. This Hearts front three, without a recognised central striker, will thrive if you give them space. If you don't give them space, they're going to struggle. But if you give them space, they will tear you apart because they're good players. And this is what's just continued to happen. And it's it's incredible the Hearts have managed to get away with this as much as they had. It's a different that, that story away for home them. because it's, it, Hearts are just rubbish away for home and you get games like the Motherwell game where there was space in behind but Hearts were just too crap to string three passes together. There's a big thing I noticed from the first half especially was Ginelli, he just, he just can't play with his, his back to go. I thought he made some really good runs in the first half but he's the type of player that he'll run, he'll make run, run and then that's him for a couple of minutes. He's not someone who will run and then make another run as, as uh, right after him. Barry Mackay is someone who needs... All he wants is movement ahead of him because all he's saying is like he knows. So Ginelli, when he gets the ball, it reminds you of when I play with my back to goal. It was like I can't turn with it. I like I just I just play the way I'm facing, and then he's just gets gets his head down. He's like concentrating on just keep the ball, and you compare him to. Chifchi, he had a decent game for St Johnston and when he got the ball fired didn't him, he would turn the same with Boyce, that's what he's so good at is that he's able to get the ball and turn almost in one movement, Ginelli's not uh, so good at that and uh, so that kind of obviously limited limited attack, whereas with, with, with Mackay, he wants someone like Ginelli but going ahead of him Mackay is, he can play he, he, he does, he travels with the ball so well because he doesn't look at it so he's able to travel with it while looking and scanning the pitch and then playing and I, I know uh, I know he's he had troubles down in England. I know um the Rafe Rovers contingent of the Terrace podcast are not fans of him, but watching him in these final I think it was his final season of Rangers, he just cre- he created chance after chance after chance and he's starting to do that with hearts because they are there is movement 
uh, ahead of him. Um, he's yeah, got the Motherwell mother mother contingent of the podcast was also very insistent that he was rubbish. Um, and just poor opinions all round. And then <laughs> but there's there's Liam Boyce as well. I think yeah, the more they play together, the more they'll get a, a, a great understanding. But it's... I can't remember the last time we've had we had such a creative presence. You you look at his stats just in terms of I know you get you get a bit of shit for his shot assist uh, Fowler, but he's like he, he does he creates big chances. He's top five in the league for creating big chances, and he's just he, he's just a really even if Hearts are shit like at times weren't the greatest on Tuesday. You know you're um, watching someone who's very very fun. I think you're you're being charitable by saying uh, at times. Hearts weren't great on Tuesday. I think it was most of the game, apart from yeah. when Barry Mackay was on, uh, wasn't on. Like when Mackay was on the ball, Hearts looked great, and then every other time it was like, ah, this is, this isn't great. I, I, like I, I think for the uh, for the, the the listener that the listeners that maybe didn't see the game, Hearts didn't play great, but they still looked incredibly comfortable. Um, really, for for the vast vast majority of the game, but the standouts, you know. Barry McKay and Cammy Devlin, you, you can basically say that every single week now. Uh, Craig Halkett before he came off as well. Uh, I, did, uh, I did like Nielsen's decision to take off Craig Halkett. Uh, I'm just taking it as purely so John Suter could stand in the perfect position so he was as far away from Section N and Section G at the same time as possible. We'll move, before we get on to Suter and then before we get into St Johnson, I just want to talk about um, Gary McKay Stephen. Um, I think we're running out of time, but you shit, just move on. <laughs> no, it just you know he was he was. <sighs> There's something about him so frustrating <laughs> because those, those breath says it all. <laughs> that was incredible. I've never heard anyone breathe like that in my life. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's like it's like a like a, a performer. I don't know. He's like like a sea lion. Like what one one day one day he was at Dun United or Celtic or Aberdeen. He was like like the Sea World in Ireland like crowds flocking in to see this like fun exciting um, player. Like uh, now he's, he's like he's 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 at like I don't know Sea Nation and somewhere like Tallahassee. He just sits there and just you know, he's so disinterested. He just doesn't get involved and they're just like a sparse crowd watching him. He just he's like he's he's not a fun player. I was expecting him to come to Tynecastle and just be a fun player. I've, I've not seen him do one trick. I can't remember I'm, him taking on a player. I'm, I'm just expecting our listener from Tallahassee to be like, come on, mate. <laughs> I have no idea what Tallahassee's like. I thought that C-Nation was bare hands. Um, <laughs> I, it, it's, it is, it's, it's so frustrating. I, like, genuinely, I can remember one, one game this season uh, where I thought that Mackay Stephen had, had come on and, and played a wee bit like how I wanted him to, you know, dribbling, going past players. We tripped Celtic him, away. Celtic away, and he fucking tripped over his own feet when he was through on goal. So he still no, didn't, yeah. like, he, he still wasn't able to do that side of it. Like, I, I think the one saving grace for Mackay Stephen is is you can still point to the, the sheer numbers that he gets and say that's positive. He's got more... Yeah, he's, he scored three goals, and I think he's been shitting every single game that he's scored. And he's got more assists and more goals than anyone else uh, in, in that position for Hearts this season. So, you know, yes, he's, he's not showing what we want him to show, but he is still effective in that way. I said to my pal that he, the next move he's going he's going to make is uh, I can see him going to St Johnston, and that's a damning indictment of uh, Gary McKay Stephen at the moment because St Johnston they are in trouble. Yeah, we could just talk about them now. I don't think there's much more about Suter that, that needs to be no, said. It's, no, no, that was, uh, uh, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, yeah, St Johnston. I think yeah, I, I agree with what you guys said. I think Shifty gave them a little something extra up front. If he can, even if he can 
if, if he can kind of continue this and maybe get a wee bit better as well, then he will give them a, a chance. It was to, just to great kind of, seeing him back in Scottish football. Yeah, and he will give them a chance to kind of haul them themselves out of trouble. The defence, I thought, looked a wee bit better than it has done. Uh, but again, kind of the, the game plan worked well. I, I, but again, like I said, against the Hearts team that that was missing an actual forward. Uh, but clearly, clearly even looks a bit like Jason Kidd. He doesn't quite play like him yet, but uh, I think maybe when he gets a bit more... When they've played at McDermott Park and he's going to have a bit more responsibility to move out with the ball, which is, from what I can tell, is a big part of his game. So that might work out well. They still have really nothing in the middle of the park. Cameron McPherson. I was somebody that was quite a fan of him before and thought there was something there, but and well, I think there is something there, he just can't put it together on a football pitch at this moment in time. And he, if he's going to be starting games for you, you're in trouble. As we've said at various points this season, guys like Murray Davidson and Liam Craig, Craig Bryson, I don't know that they didn't play with Murray Davidson played, but they all just look so much older now. And in the centre of the park, they're just really poor and offer nothing. Michael O'Halloran, which... Michael Halloran is uh, it's great they got Michael Halloran Stevie May and, uh, and Nadia Chifchi in the same team because I mean eight years ago what <laughs> that would have been I know, I know it was just uh, it's, there was there was, a, there was a pang of excitement of me going, uh, going to watch it but May was dreadful there was, they had a great chance great chance in the second half and it was just it probably just summed up St Johnston St Johnston's attack this season it was just it was so tame. Uh, there was no confidence in it at all. His his effort and there was another one with O'Halloran made had a really great run and he's blazed it over the bar. Who was I'm just trying to think who was who's left left wing back for them? Oh, Callum Booth. Yeah, um, yeah. It was just <laughs> they just looked so limited. And the big thing with St Johnston is that it was it was an issue Hearts had when uh, we got uh, demoted is uh, we, we had no pace in the team. No pace, and that's that's something yeah. other than Oha- other than O'Halloran, um, who very rarely uses it. Uh, like he d- very rarely, he he doesn't use it as much as he should. Uh, but they just they just they look so one pace at times. I think the um, yeah, what I can say about St Johnston is that see, see in recent years when when teams have gone down, see so like the famous Dundee United team, that Hibs team. Uh, Aki's Kelly, you know the the heart, like various Hearts teams and stuff like that is they've been laughably bad, right? You, you know you look at them and you're like, oh my god, these are absolutely awful. I think the worst thing about St Johnston is they're so forgettable. Like they are the most forgettable mm. team that I've seen at Tynecastle this season. I, I, I think that maybe in a few weeks' time I might be like, Christ, Nadia Triftie played at Tynecastle, and that that's about it because I, I could not pinpoint any other member of that that St Johnston team. And tell you anything about them because they they just they're just breezing at, at like a light gust towards the championship just now and it's it's quite sad. You look at what they achieved last season. You look at what that did for Scottish football. You look at what it did for St Johnston as a club. And since then they, they've they've gone further than backwards. And it's just you know like you're saying guys like Cammy McPherson, Jesus like Michael O'Harrell and uh, a, a few years I still can't say his name by the way. I've not I've never. Known <laughs> Michael O'Halloran, he, um, I, I, twice this season he's ran into his own player in a comical fashion and it's basically led to a goal. Like It's just, ah man, Stevie May, um, nah, Chris Kane came on and at least ran about and at least like tried to scare the centre-halves a wee bit. So, you know, I'd credit to him for that. He does what he, he did what he does. But yeah, just forgettable, man. Like the, the Butterfield, Jesus Christ. What? I forgot he, I forgot he played actually. 
Um, <laughs> right, okay, th- this is in real time, uh, my, my point being exactly proven. The uh, Robbie, Robbie said it was sad. It would, it would be sad uh, if it wasn't for the fact that a lot of Johnson fans got very chippy and ran their mouth on social media. So I don't think it's sad. I think it's very funny. Well, I'd, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I, I once guest appeared on a St Johnston podcast. I thought they seemed all right. So you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the lads are, the lads are all right, apart from, uh, apart from the majority of them. But no, it's. Uh, <laughs> It is. I. I think. I think it is. It is a shame. But then also, you look at the players that are in that squad who are capable of doing much better, and you think, you know, <laughs> maybe it's not Callum Davidson, but if someone can come in and, and or if there's some sort of catalyst that can get them going a wee bit, then then they definitely have a chance of, of staying up. Of course they do. The uh, so is it is it Jeff Brown the is it, sorry is it Steve Brown owner? Yes. yes. Yeah, it's Jeffrey's uh, dad. Um, they, they, they talked about the, the amount of cash they've got in the bank. I just love it. The last week of the January transfer window for them just to go mental and just start uh, just start chucking money about left, right, and centre. Um, well, Leeds United style, but they, uh, they just it's just really jam packed in a week and they still go down. They're bidding for Alan Forrest, aren't they? You know that's that's a, a big target. They're in so. a bidding war with themselves. <laughs> I mean, Alan Force is all right, but really, is that the, Nicholas is that Gunnarsson was that was that was a big warning sign for me when they were linked with uh, Nicholas Gunnarsson, who struggled right. to get a game for English uh, for a uh, Championship hips. Nah, he was. I thought he was decent. He's good against Rangers. Right, that's enough about um, poor St Johnston and Super Barney Mackay. We will move to. Tanadice, where St Mirren won for the first time since, I don't know, about 2013 when they won 2-1 against Dundee United. Fowler, you watched the game, watched the highlights. It looked like St Mirren were fully deserving of their three points. Yes, absolutely. I So I was watching this game and I was watching United and I was really struck at how passive and tentative United were. Like, tentative is really the word to use, actually. Both in possession and out of possession, Really getting caught on their heels a lot in the centre of the park, allowing St Mirren to pick up a number of loose balls, second balls, in possession, really not doing anything with it. A lot of, there was a point, 20 minutes into the game, it was a long passage to play, where United had the ball for ages, and they just had no clue how to try and play through St Mirren. They weren't trying anything, they only really tried stuff when they were 2-0 down, and lo and behold, actually, they actually created some chances and scored a goal. Uh, but in the first half, well... Not just the first half until Timmerman were two 0 ahead. There was just nothing like that. United did have their chances, but every single one of them to that point came from a set piece. And I was like, right, it kind of makes sense because United have been on such a poor run of form, and you know they look like a team that's that's low in confidence and scared to make a mistake. And that just kind of happens when you're in poor form. And then I remembered, hang on, so man haven't won a game. <laughs> In 11 <laughs> attempts like they, they should also be looking like this and yet submitted with a team that came with real determination real belief in themselves knocked the ball about really well had a number of kind of really kind of slick moves where like one or two touch passing triangles around about the box and they were obviously a team that used the winter break to say right let's regroup let's get our heads in the game we're better than this let's go out and show it whereas Dundee United did not show that same sort of belief at all it's 
when when you said about Dun United being really tentative, uh, I watched them. I watched their game against Hibs before the winter break, and the first forty five minutes. So I was struck by just how passive they were, like how um, how good they made Hibs look. Because uh, I, I came away thinking, oh, uh, Hibs Hibs have really uh, started, um, really got on to Maloney's style of play. But then you actually just looked at United's performance, and they were just so standoffish, and it was. It was probably one of the second, probably second worst performance I've seen. I can remember, and uh, the first was their opening game against against Aberdeen. And I thought maybe that's okay. Won't judge them too much because they had a lot of players missing. But the the team against St. Mirren was 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 pretty strong. Yeah, and and they should probably save some praise for Jay Henderson. He he did fall out of the game a bit. He didn't really do much in the second period, but in the first half, he was just roasting Scott McMahon. I mean, Scott McMahon got booked after seven minutes for, for hauling him down. And that was already after Henderson managed to get in behind him. And that's kind of part of the goal as well, is that McCann, McMahon doesn't get close enough to him. But at the same time, I suppose he, he wasn't expecting Henderson to just rocket it into the roof of the head from like 20 odd yards. And it was a, a big thing for St. because they switch formation um i think basically went 4231 or 442 um and it was probably the most attacking on paper they've been because you looked at the Samirin lineup this season they've had often had two wing backs who are more naturally full backs and then essentially had McGrath behind two strikers or uh, Ronan and McGrath behind Brophy so they've had, I, had I still three. thought it was a back three <laughs> Oh really yeah, it's still like a back three to me. Uh, That's so I'm just going on because I've watched highlights and I've just seen. I just looked at the team lines on Wisecout and Wisecout had as a back four. It's usually, uh, see, it's I, usually I can quite... see how it could have been. How it could have been a back back three. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Kind of looking, like thinking about it again. Um, no, because I don't know who would have been left midfield. <laughs> they had it as, so they had they had it as Ronan left and uh, Jay Henderson right. Hmm. I suppose with, it could have been. I suppose it could have been. Um, but no, I, I just kind of—I I thought it was a three. Maybe it was just kind of flexible, a kind of hybrid. Yeah. Rob Greg Kilty, do you like him? Question. <laughs> <laughs> fancy? Do you fancy my pal? <laughs> See, you better tell me something terrible that he's done to me behind my back or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have always appreciated the football stylings of uh, Mr. Greg Kilty. Um, obviously, for, for various reasons, since he burst through at Kilmarnock, he's, he's kind of struggled for a run of games really anywhere, um, to be honest. But I think with this St. Mirren team, um, he's definitely got something about him that, that can help them that sort of that high up the park, especially when you see guys like uh, Jamie McGrath, who Obviously, you know, he's, he's, he's not long for this club um, mm-hmm. and you're looking for a, a bit of spark, someone who can maybe run beyond, someone who can maybe provide a bit of a goal threat. Connor Ronan, obviously, um, offers that as well. I think he's all right is, is basically what I'm getting to. Why do you ask? What's he done? Just, just I was I was impressed uh, from the lot I've seen. I was, I was impressed when he set up both goals and just speaking to a couple of folk they, who... who uh, acquaintances that played alongside him or saw him when he was a young player for the uh, Scotland youth teams and breaking through at Kilmarnock uh, thought he was going on to be one of the next big things in, in Scotland obviously injuries not helped um, 
and it does it does seem like you mentioned needs uh needs a home where he can where he can have a lot of games and play in a, a number 10 position because I think Kelty's one of those uh, players who it can be easily uh, just chucked out to the wing get on with it yeah 100% I think like I was it was absolutely for me sort of staggering a couple of years ago when he found himself at, at Morton and, and Dunfermline and all this kind of stuff because I, 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 oh, I, remember, yeah. I remember vividly uh, that the first ever podcast I did with Scott McClymont was when Kelty was just breaking through and I was like he's a player he's like oh my god this boy's going to be incredible like you really like you, you kind of it's easy to forget how much of an impact he he made coming through in that Kilmarnock team when you had you know guys like Robbie Muirhead and, and all that doing the same but yeah Kilty Kilty's always always been a player that I've I've really admired um, and I think as I say he's found a good home with St Mirren because they're they're capable of playing the football that that he likes playing uh, which is in that sort of that number ten role I don't think he is suited to being out wide I think like you say it's easy to put him out there because you know he's <laughs> Is is the kind of shape and size that you would typically expect to see out wide? Um, yeah. in a game. Maybe maybe well, he can shout. He can shout loud enough, maybe to tell even Brophy to stop shooting every single time he gets the ball. Maybe he can be good for that as well. <laughs> He's not a magician. <laughs> Fowler, what was Tony Watt like when he came on, and how do you can you see him getting? United the goals that they so dearly crave because it's all well and good getting a striker but you need folk to create chances for that striker I don't think United fans are that enamoured that he came on and played on the left side of uh, of the front three <laughs> <laughs> um, I know he's done that in Motherwell and I know he's done well for at times in Motherwell but I think as we saw a lot this season he's probably at his best when he's certainly at his most dangerous when he plays through the centre and if you're playing him on the left, you're you're kind of wanting him to be a yes to retain a goal threat, but also to be a kind of creator himself. And he can do that through the centre, but that's you're kind of putting that onus on him a little bit more if you put him out on the wing. And that means he's creating chances for Mark McNulty. And that's not gonna end well. He did he did show a wee bit when he came on. It was a wee bit of burst of life. United's like I say, that they kinda of ended the game reasonably well when they finally kind of got their finger out and Realised the position they were in, um, and, and and he helped a little bit with that, but still, <laughs> like there's a lot of problems with that United team at the moment, and um, maybe playing him through the centre and making him their talisman would be a good way of trying to haul themselves out of it, as opposed to coach maybe overthinking it and keeping Mark McNulty on the park. I love how I love how unpopular he is with United fans. This is quite funny. <laughs> uh, he's. Mind, mind he got a Scotland cap and missed an absolute sitter. Uh, I'd rather not remember. I, I, I do remember that. I do remember that. Incredible. Who was against San Marino? Yep. Dearie me. I was. So he got, he got a sitter. Scotland cap, but uh, Martin Boyle didn't. Thanks for ruining that uh, link for me, Fowler. But talking of sitters, <laughs> Kevin Nisbet. Oh, God. Uh, that, I've, that, I've that chan- seen this. I watched, I watched the entire game, but... Um, um, I just got back at the house and I was just still filling out the, the, the form for registering for Celtic pay-per-view, um, which I was uh, surprised to find was actually a thing um, after the last season that didn't allow anybody to do it. So, and it literally, as soon as it had gone through and I pressed play, it was, um, is it Maiden? What's it? Dyson Maiden? Dyson Maida. Maida, Maida, that's it. Maida was celebrating scoring the opening goal for Celtic, so I still haven't seen Nisbet's miss, but uh, I saw the rest of the game. 
Well, well, we'll let me fill you in. So, ball gets worked down to, I think, Cadden puts a cross in, comes to him in the back post, I don't know, three yards out. If I'm giving him a bit credit, three yards out. All he needs to do is uh, direct the ball towards just, just in front of him. He takes it at a weird angle uh, and puts it, uh, is it clip off the poster, uh, puts it wide. Um, the best way I can describe it is imagine, imagine putting any, well, the majority of the Terrace podcast in that position and how they would finish. Like, for example, if you put Craig Anderson at the back post and you fired a ball to him, um, imagine how he would finish. That's how Kevin Nisbet, uh, that's how Kevin Nisbet finished. And uh, it was an absolute shambles. I uh, see Craig Telfer's keep you up with attempts. I think it's quite harsh that you're picking out Craig Anderson for that joke. I mean, I, I, I could I could pick out uh, my second choice. I was going to be Craig Telfer, followed by Gary Cocker, followed by yourself. Joe, <laughs> <laughs> Joe, uh, it, it was a it was a an awful miss, right? Uh, you know, let's call it what it is. It was a, an awful, awful miss. It hits his heel. You know, he, he's going to try and side foot. It hits his heel, which makes it sort of bound away the other way, but. He just scored a tap in against Cove Rangers, so Nizzy is back, baby. He is back, yeah. It's uh, that, that very harsh to pick up, pick up on him for a miss, a, a setter against Celtic. I mean, I really. Before we get on to uh, talk about Celtic and the, the new signings, um, I, I really like Kevin Nisbet, and I think he's got a lot of stick from Hibs fans. And there's games where I've watched him, I thought you've probably been a bit too harsh on him because I think he does a lot of really nice work outside the box. He can link play really well. He's, he's quite a smooth player, but against. Against Celtic, it was just—it was so poor. There was, but it wasn't just what he was doing with the ball. It was his reaction. There was a moment in the second half where uh, the ball got fizzed in him in the centre circle, and he's in the middle of the park. Uh, he's meant to just bring it under control, hold on to it. He just lost it, but it was his reaction. He just put his head down and jogged. There was like no intention uh, or like, motivation to get the ball back and get kind of goal side and uh, protect it. And Celtic went on to have a, a dangerous attack, and it's just. It's frustrating for someone who um, you saw with Dunfermline and you thought, uh, for me personally, spoken so highly of. It doesn't really, it really looks like someone who's not enjoying their football at this moment no. in time. Yeah, he yeah, does. Absolutely. And, you know, that, that body language you're talking about, Joe, as well. Like, we are, we are, we are fresh off of that Cove Rangers game, uh, the, the, the Scottish Cup game. Um, obviously, he did score the winning goal and, and stuff like that, but. You saw that again at times as well. You know, he, he was he was losing it, or his first touch wasn't coming off, mm. and there was there was absolutely no sort of emotion either way. It was just sort of like, ah, well, I've not got the ball anymore. That's a shame. And then you know, sort of toddling off, and it, it's quite it's quite concerning. You know, it's like why, what has caused this genuine sort of like sadness within him that that he he doesn't have the desire to to really chase a football or anything. It is bad because you know he. He got into that Scotland squad last year on merit. He was scoring goals. He was mm-hmm. doing well in the top flight in Scotland. We know exactly what he can do. And for me, it's going to be very interesting to see how Sean Maloney intends to bring that out of him because he's still potentially you know, a, a player worth a good couple of million pounds to Hibs. The best way to get that out of him is to play Christian Deutsch alongside him. I think that's been proven. But is he going to play with, with two men up front? And I'm, I'm not too sure about that. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how, how Maloney sort of solves that problem. From the early indications, and I think this this game that we're talking about is uh, the perfect example of that, it looks like Sean Maloney is wedded to the 3-4-3, because if you're yeah. going to change it, you would change it for this game, with, with that back three that they ended up going with. 
So yeah, because and, and Josh, Josh Campbell, sorry, Josh Campbell is a left wing back. What the fuck was that? <laughs> never again, never again. It was. We'll kind of. I'll come on to ask you about just Hibs in general. Your impression of them uh, against Celtic because they did have they had more possession, but we talked about Nisbet's uh, disastrous miss. Talk to me, either one of you, uh, either you talk to me about the defending for the opening Celtic goal. Funny. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that that's the one word I would have used. Uh, or, well, Fowler said it, humorous. There you go. Where, where, where was Rocky? <laughs> where, 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 where exactly was he? <laughs> where were any of them? You played Celtic in Celtic Park in the first, like, five minutes. Keep it tight. I was going to say, you've got, you got three centre-backs. Two of the two of the three centre-backs are within three centimetres of each other, and the other one's about three miles away. You're, you're picking on poor Rocky here, but I was going to say, like none, none of them cover themselves in, in any glory. Oh, absolutely there. not. And I think that, like, you know, if, you know, speaking to the, 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 the few Hibs fans that I know, um, if you want to clutch at straws, it's like, oh, it just shows how expansive Maloney wants to be. It's like, ah, so your, your defenders have gone on a fucking adventure somewhere else. Like, that's, that, that's, not, that's not fun. Fun for me. Just uh, it was so far away, you expect them to. I don't know. Just what? What did you find out on your travels, Rocky? As he chased, uh, as he chased Maeda to try and uh, try, uh, try and stop him scoring again. Matt Macy as well. I thought he he went down really easy. It was it wasn't like a a really difficult shot uh, from my from Maeda. But you look at it and the build up to the goal is it is what Maloney wants from his team. Uh, he wants them to play. Uh, wants them play with from the back. Wants to con- control possession, and I thought it was a mixture between brave and naive. But it, I think it was clear to see how much Ryan Porteous is key uh, to oh, yeah. Celtic. Uh, sorry, Celtic uh, to Hibs at the back. You just look at the you got the desi- desire to uh, play from the back, but there was a couple of moments early on where they invited them, uh, invited pressure on them, but uh, and then. They just seem too congested to play out. It's almost like their midfield was on top of their defence, and then they missed uh, Portis' ability to kind of bypass that. Because I don't think there's anyone else in that uh, that defence for uh, Hibs who are are so assured and so um, effective at just kind of bypassing the press and playing yeah. behind the 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 opposition midfield and that's it kind of they really need Porteous and of of course they weren't helped by Harry Clark who's probably capable of doing that as well being out injured I'd wait I wouldn't say that necessarily yet about Clark until we kind of see his passing ability for like he mm. can run past the press maybe but that's a bit more of a dangerous game to play Porteous is certainly the only one that you kind of thought Handler would be a movie better than this, but he's not really shown it uh, in terms of this kind of system so far. But Porteous, his passing ability is great for a centre-half, and he is, if teams are going to press hips high up the park because they're passing out for the goalkeeper, he is integral. And there's been rumours about him maybe being a player to leave in the January window. Uh, if you want this Maloney um, experiment, I'm just using the word experiment like any manager is an, is an experiment. If you're wanting that to work in the early days and to get a bit of momentum behind it, I would not be selling Porteous this January. Uh, to no, talk about Hibs overall, actually, because like, you, you did mention that. Yes, they had a lot of possession. I never thought they were going to score. So, yeah. yeah, it's good to have possession at Celtic Park. It's, it's quite admirable to have more possession than the hosts. 
But I think for a long period of the second half, especially, Celtic were just content for them to had it because other than one move which led to their only corner of the game, um, they yeah they really did nothing. Listen to me, it is very hard to score there. All right, give them cut them some slack. No, I, yes, I but think... you can at least look a wee bit dangerous. Well, you can, um, and, and well, you know, Hibs have Hibs have already scored there very recently. But yeah, I, I think that you know, I'm I'm kind of looking at Maloney the same way as I looked at uh, Postacoglu, um, in that it, it's it's a not rip it up and start again, but it's it's someone who's coming in with a very clear philosophy and someone who's going to take a bit of time to to find all the the pieces that are going to fit into it. So you know, going to Celtic Park and. Showing that amount of possession, you know, completing more passes than than Celtic in, in their own backyard and stuff. Yeah, they they, they got beat 2-0. They didn't look like scoring. But that's one thing you can say, right, okay, we've got the capability to keep the ball more than, you know, arguably the best team in Scotland, second best team in Scotland, whatever you want to say. And then it's about finding the other ways to, to go in about that as well. And I, I, I think that it is going to take time for, for Maloney and, and Hibbs to, to really get going, to get clicking. Probably another couple of signings as well um, to, to to really sort of allow that to happen. But yeah, it's it wasn't all negative for Hibs at all on on Tuesday night. And I think that you know you're saying like Campbell at left wing back, mental. Like let, let's all be honest, forgot about Dre Dre Wright coming in like that. That like I had fucking no idea where he was, and then and then and he comes. So you know he's he's trying things. Going to Celtic Park's a bit of a free hit, and I, I hate when people. I genuinely hate when people say that, right? But it is kind of true. You know, it's you're not going to be your season's not going to be defined by a game at Celtic Park, not very often. Um, so he, he went for it and 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 tried something a bit different, and I think that's fine. To say as well, Celtic, when the game was still in any sort of doubt, were very impressive as well. Um, <laughs> that's I was, I was going to I was, sorry, I was, I was going to come on to Celtic because I, I, I read a. Red folks viewed like Celtic fans' views on Twitter before, and they said they were really impressed with the first half. And I wasn't blown away by them. I thought there was there was moments, certainly in the first half, where they, they looked really, really good uh, with and without the ball. Um, but like over, it kind of died off after uh, going to going to up in, in the second half. I think you've been about. I, I was quite. I was very impressed with the first half performance. I think there was a lot of quickness and, and really great movement to their play, and they looked like a team that, with the additions they'd made, had taken it up a notch. And now the fact that Rangers have, have dropped points and the gap's only back to four, I'm now kind of. I've been saying like through all through the winter break, whenever I've kind of written about, you know, the suitor situation and stuff like ah, Rangers, you know, very likely win the league this season, and I kind of assumed that. I thought that Celtic were a. Uh, Still a bit of a soft touch, and we'd we'd drop points more regularly. But considering this is a couple of guys making their debut in a in a, in a different country, and but they brought a lot to that team, and I, I did think oh, that yeah. first half the way that Celtic really moved the ball about from just the way they moved it about Hibs attack, just kind of creating so much space that the movement of these kind of players, I, I thought they were, I, I honestly thought they were excellent in the first half, and they really should have scored more than the two goals they did, and. If they're and that's them, you know, just joining up with their teammates. Once the, you know, with this kind of style of play, as you were kind of alluding, uh, Rob, to to do with Maloney, they will, you know, the, you will expect they will progress and get even better in in the near future. And I'm already a bit scared for for facing them in Tidecastle next week. So yeah, I think they're uh, I think they're going to be a bit more of a 
I mean, I still probably arse it up and you know draw it home to Dundee or some pish, but um, I, I do kind of think they're a much bigger threat to Rangers' uh, title than I think we gave credit for prior to the restart after the winter break. I think a lot of us are are, are, are sort of subconsciously we're kind of sleepwalking towards saying Rangers will win the title because you know we, we've seen what Celtic have been like over the last year and a half. But you know you're right. Look at the reality; it's only four points, and you know uh, Rio Hatate. Uh, who came in in the, the midfield for Celtic? I think it wasn't a perfect performance, um, but he showed that he he could be the real deal uh, in there as well. Dyson Maida, I, I think um, he's incredibly fast. Uh, he'll get it behind a lot of defences, and, and generally speaking, that'll just get him a lot of goals in Scotland as well. Um, but yeah, Celtic are they are still relatively fun to watch. I, I was expecting for a Postecoglou team to be more fun. I thought they'd you know concede loads of goals and all that kind of stuff. I'm pretty sure they've got the best defensive record in the league. So I'm like, ah, no, that's 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 a shame. They're just going to score goals then. Um, but yeah, they're they're quietly just sort of um, yeah, they are, they're quietly going about their business, and I, I think they're quite happy to be seen as the underdogs in this title race as well. Because I think that um, I think that that Rangers might be sleepwalking as well. Yeah, I'd have to say that Hatati looks looks the real deal. I really like the fact he's he tries to be really positive when he's passing. Um, he can go long and short as well. Uh, it was a it was a, it was a good debut. The one player I'm um, not been a lot of, well, I've not seen a lot of t- chat about, but I really like and he looks he, he seems like a massive shit as well. Uh, is uh, Josip Juranovic? I think he's he's so good, and especially with the way that Celtic. Uh, play and inverted uh, the inverted fullbacks. You can see how much more comfortable he's playing that role than Lynn Ralston, for example. You can uh, I think it was the build up to the penalty. Um, and it was actually uh, so, so. I think Juranovic did it really well, just getting in behind um, like Nisbet or, or whoever, and Taylor as well. I think did it really well in the build up to the the, the penalty. He just uh, he, he came into in in, in field. And usually, you think for wing back, uh, fullbacks, default position is out wide, stretching the game, especially for Celtic, higher up the pitch. But he just came in the centre circle on the blind side in this bit, and then uh, chipped the ball over the top. And I think it's Celtic look much more effective with those two in those positions than uh, Ralston, who I think has been great, but is not as comfortable taking the ball in in, in those positions. Yeah, I like him. He's good. Thank you. Uh, moving on to the final game. Livingston 2, Dundee nil. Oh, Dundee. Uh, before we, we'll finish, we'll finish on Bruce Anderson Fowler. So talk to us about Dundee. James McPate came out after the game and uh, made a quite pointed uh, remark about his senior players and looking at the team, uh, the senior players he would, I think, kind of going for was Liam Fontaine. He talked about done uh, the defence not heading the ball um, I would say Paul McGowan and a certain Charlie Adam who was hauled off and uh, reportedly um, uh, wasn't happy with the aftermath of the game Charlie Adam shouldn't really have any sort of qualms about being hauled off even when the, in the first half and I thought Dundee played quite well and uh, it was quite of an even contest both teams had their chances that Dundee looked uh, impressive in points there wasn't really much between it second half limits with a much better side and Charlie Adam throughout his time in the park really done nothing. So he got nothing, really no complaints about getting taken off. He was so ineffective. Also, there was one point in 
it must have been the first half. Was it the first half? Yeah, it was. Where Dundee got a free kick right on the edge of the box and it was set up for a left footer and Luke McCown took it. So why the hell do you have Charlie Adam on your team if you're not going to let him take free kicks that are for left footers? Like, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, I think it just comes back to the problem that like James McPay could say, yeah, but senior players in the team, you know, whatever. Like, if, if he's talking about Liam Fontaine, like, look at the second goal. Uh, Liam Fontaine, Christy Elliott, both making an arse of themselves and making it easier for Bruce Anderson to score than really anybody should be allowing in, in this league. But, you, you know, it's, it's January. It's mid-January. And you have Liam Fontaine and Christy Elliott in your team. That shouldn't have been allowed at the start of the season. Like, why are they still on the team now? And even, like, and, and Danny Mullen. Like, Danny Mullen didn't necessarily play bad in this game because he set up uh, probably Dundee's best two chances. And, and that's kind of part of his... That's why he's kind of in that role and, and why he continues to be in the team despite the fact that, he, you know, if he plays 38 games in the top flight, he probably only scored about five goals is because he's the best at kind of link-up play and stuff like that. But again, that comes down to recruitment. Why is Danny Mullen... A player who, in the top flight, has never really looked like somebody who can cut it on a consistent basis. In the championship, very good player, can score a few more goals. But he's their number one forward. So, like, McPake can have a mump and moan about his his experienced players not doing the business for him. But I would say his experienced players are not premiership quality, with the exception of Charlie Adam. He's put a lot of... He's put a lot of... He's... um chips on the bringing in players like Cummings and Griffiths and Adam the kind of big names but they've really not delivered as a whole and it's all well and good him coming out and kind of saying digging out the senior players but it's, it's him that he he's he's the one who's gone out on a limb and, and signed him and you think right you need to get something out of them something a lot more than jobbing around in 11th place because you looked at that team that squad on paper at the start like end of August and you thought there could feasibly be a way they could challenge for the top six but now they as a club have just turned into um, I've just turned into Chuckles University as uh, the Dundee branch (laughs) it's a very popular branch of that university (laughs) <laughs> they're, they're constantly squabbling over the rights both them and United they've got they've got quite an alumni going on there the, ho- the homecoming is incredible it's, it's packed out all the time it's the most popular event of the year see see when I was saying earlier on about um, St Johnston having a squad capable of, of going on a run at some stage obviously they're nowhere near it just now I, I, I am I'm not going to say I'm worried for Dundee I'll never be worried for Dundee Jesus Christ but I I, um, I, I think they might be they might be in a, a, a spot of bother um, if St Johnson do pull the finger out. Obviously, the next two weeks are, are crucial for all clubs in Scotland, but the, the ones especially down towards the bottom of a table, if they need to sign someone or some people to change it up, then you know I'm, I'm looking at a Dundee team and I'm thinking, oh, oh Nelly, that's, uh, that, that's an issue there, especially Charlie Adams storming out of Almondvale straight into Tony Macaroni um, and, and all these sorts of things. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for Nuber. <laughs> He's <laughs> he's a, a way to get a bus from the hospital. Right? It's uh, yeah, it's not 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 looking great for Dundee at all. Cummins is off ski. Griffiths is Griffiths. Uh, Sheridan, who I think you know should be their best striker, is Achilles is twanged up to his knee basically, so he's out for a long time. Like it's just 
things things go against you, but also you look at the character of the people that you're signing, and then you're like, oh, I can't believe that they've turned out to be the exact person they have always been. I can't believe this. Like, it's always going to happen. You know what this Dundee team needs, and he's currently a free agent, although I think he's about to sign for a side, is a certain Kyle Lafferty. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this Dundee team needs. Honestly, you wouldn't be surprised, would you, at this point? It would be absolutely brilliant. Um, Livingston, Fowler, they are, they, they, they are another team who are on, have picked up a, a, a fair amount. And looking at the team now, because we did a podcast at the start of the season and we were trying to work out what, what they needed. Uh, they just looked so um, unbalanced across, across the squad. But now you look at their, I don't know, kind of first 13 or 14 and they've got like a real, seems like got a real structure, a real identity to their team. Um, Holt and Omiogna uh, are a great midfield partnership they've got Anderson uh, really turning into a talisman and the defence looks pretty solid and stable yeah that, that's the defence is probably the bit that's maybe it surprises the most I wasn't mm-hmm. a, I wasn't really wasn't a fan at all of uh, Jack Fitzwater last year I'm still not entirely sold on myself I have to say but I'll, I'll, I'll I'll bow to the greater knowledge of Livingston fans who say he's been excellent this campaign. Uh, Obelai, uh, despite the fact that in the Championship as a centre-back, he didn't look r- really good. And we kind of thought no. of he's signing at Livy, he's going to have to play a defensive midfield to shine. He's really only played at centre-back and he's been very good. So that's that's worked out perfectly for them as well. They've still got problems at left-back, but Nicky Devlin uh, continues to be good. He was he was good in the first half of this game. He was um, one of Livy's best kind of attacking threats in the first half. Uh, you mentioned Holton Omionga. It's quite fitting that they were described as the better tag team than the Hardy Boys. Now, I think it was just because Hardy Boys are kind of like maybe the most famous tag team in wrestling, or at least one of them. And it's it's quite fitting though because the Hardy Boys were so good despite being clearly kind of so undersized and had to kind of really kind of wow the crowd and, you know, defeat opponents and, well, defeat opponents, you know what I'm talking about when it comes to wrestling, but do it through their, kind of through their kind of t- fearlessness and tenacity because they were, they were smaller and they weren't, you know, it had to be their kind of agility and stuff like that and that's what kind of Holt and, and Omionga are like. Like, they've, they're both tiny, but they've both got a lot of heart, especially Jason Holt. <laughs> Like the guy loves to. I love that he's just basically been a hatchet man now as well. I mean, if you if you want to say he was maybe fortunate not to be sent off for that wild challenge on Max Anderson, he was, he was. Even if you would say that itself was a booking, which I thought probably was just about, then he was fortunate that he hadn't been booked before that because he spent the first half fouling Dundee anyway. So I was actually surprised when he made that challenge. I've watched the back because I'd already seen the highlights. I was like. You don't mean butcher, <laughs> surely though. But yeah, had so they have been giving them an excellent platform. And I, was, I, was, I was a bit, I was, I was curious. He called the the Hardy Boys the the most famous tag team. I mean, the the answer is the New Age Outlaws because uh, that makes uh, that makes Bruce Anderson Triple H. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I don't work, think the, work for the WWE box. Right, like the New Age Outlaws are the most famous introduction for a tag team ever. I don't think they're the best tag team uh, or most famous. You guys, uh, yeah. uh, you, you guys just keep going about wrestling. I'm going to go to bed, all right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on to Bruce Anderson. He was excellent in this game, and he was he was one of Lovis's best players in the first half as well. When they didn't quite have it completely their own way, like they did uh, through a lot of the second. His his running off the ball 
his movement and the fact that he ran like, really strong running as well, like really kind of purposeful, not just you know flitting about and getting getting lucky, making direct runs to the to the place of the the Dundee defence that would hurt them most, and like even the. Yeah, he scored for the, the first... Both these goals were for set pieces, but the first corner comes from him kind of forcing the issue with, with one of those runs, you know, just charging straight into the, the heart of the, the box and then firing a shot where he was very unlucky that the Legstons managed to get a, a, a terrific save yeah, to get a slight touch on it and put it onto the bar. But he was outstanding. Uh, I think we're right saying Tony had said in the chat that they put a forward on... Beside them, because like, that, yeah. that didn't happen. He was he was he was up front by himself and target. Yeah, because Tony went to the new boy Chuck. Yeah, he came on after he came on after it was already two 0 and uh, he played left wing. No, um, no, 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 Joel, Joel, I'm not I'm not letting you get away with that. Say his full name. I'm not sure. I need to look up what. I get get me. To, I'll finish on his full name because I need to look up. I, I, I know what it is because I uh, purposely found a, a YouTube video that, that, that said the pronunciation, so I, I can say it. But I'm going to I'm going to wait for Joel to say it. he looked. He did look decent when he came on because he had a like I said when Tony and I done the podcast on Monday uh, that he does have a very nice touch and he's got quickness and good technique and stuff like that. And it's just whether or not he, he knows how to use it. But he did have a couple of really kind of promising runs after he come off the, the park, uh, come off the bench as well. So he he might just David Martindale might be the the whisperer that he needs to to unlock his potential. And if he does, then there, there's certainly a lot of potential there. Yeah, absolutely. Because you look you look at you look at Levy now, only six points behind him. So I think they're five points off off the top six, which was uh, I don't think you would have seen. Uh, sorry, saw coming after the first couple of months of the season so yeah it's, it's picked up in, in, in Armville and uh, we'll let Rob get to his bed that's us no no hang on hang on, Joe, hang on hang on Joe, oh. hang on hang on hang on how do you say his name Caleb Chukwemeka yeah that's actually right ah, for fuck's sake Joe you've ruined the end of the podcast <laughs> there we go I've redeemed myself his name's just basically how it's it's just basically how it's spelled but you you don't really pronounce the E but yeah, I wasn't the, sure. The, I wasn't sure whether to, well, to chuck that Ian, Chuck Wemeka. Caleb, Caleb Chuck Wemeka. One to watch, I'm sure. But yes, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. You can go across to patreoncom podcast for all the latest on whatever we're putting up. There's loads the, the of stuff. Latest- the latest one to go up was the two went up today. There was Ali Heller talking to Graham Thulis about Tony Watt and Dundee United season in general. And there was Telford and Sean talking about the three most interesting lower league games from the past weekend. Oh, excellent. So two fascinating lessons, I am sure. And also be sure to check out a review from the Terrace, which is our branch of um, uh, more cultural stuff like TV and film and yes, maybe the some latest- books. And again, an episode went up today because I forgot to do it on Tuesday and uh, it was episode three of the Still Game podcast looking at the episode called. Again, another fascinating listening, I'm sure. So that is us for tonight. Say goodbye, guys. Goodbye. 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 Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.